0: Good morning to everybody that's online, or maybe good afternoon, depending on when you are watching the service. Excuse me, if you're watching with us live, or maybe you're uh, clicking on Facebook or YouTube later on, maybe you're even joining us on the podcast. And whichever way you're joining us, we, we know there's about a billion different things you could be doing online. And so we're grateful that you've decided to spend some time with us uh, in our service and in our community together. So thanks so much for that. If you haven't already and you would like to uh, take communion with us when we do after the message today, make sure you go to your kitchen, get yourself some bread, some crackers some juice whatever you have uh tortillas whatever it takes we're nobody's picky around here and we'll uh we'll receive communion together so uh again, again we're so grateful that you're here with us today and we're grateful we get to spend some time learning and praying and singing together where there is christ there is hope Where there is hope, there's more to be written, my days unfold, touched by your grace, I need you God.
1: the sign of peace to somebody near you, tell them, you know, go, give them a hug, go ahead and give them a wave, and everybody online, we're sending you peace, and um, and we know that God is the one that holds us all together, and we have this person sitting, you know, standing in the middle of us that has been a part of holding us together over the years, um, and only half of the representation of people who held us together is here on this day, because um, Rob and Kelly have been in ministry for over 20 years in pastoral ministry in leading congregations all over the United States and the world, and very specifically in Kenya, um, doing mission work there. And they were supposed to be um, with us this week doing something called Intentional Churches, and they were going to be meeting with different ones of our leaders, and we were going to be talking about 2022. Um, and Rob Kelly's husband uh, ha- is um, recovering from COVID, and so two months ago he contracted COVID, and he, um, which went into pneumonia, and bronchitis, and he, uh, he is here in Marshall, Michigan, right now in Sean and Kathleen's basement, um, but he cannot get words out of his mouth without coughing. And so um, we, right. you know,
2: Let, let's clarify when you say basement, it's not like the lower regions. No. I mean, it's a no, it's a pretty nice. It's not kind of the basement most of us are thinking of. So right. anyway, I right. just wanted to clarify that. We didn't throw the guy that's recovering from COVID <laughs> into a basement
1: somewhere. Yeah. It's what did you yeah. call it? Your new apartment? or new apartment. <laughs> yeah. And we've been on the journey um, together for over a decade yeah. uh, in, in, in spiritual community with other pastors from around the world supporting one another, and learning from one another, and um, helping us all stay as the unstoppable force.
2: Yeah, so I recall one of, the, one of the great gifts of having Rob and Kelly here this week, because they really are leaders among leaders. They really are. When uh, Claire and I have been in a lot of environments with Rob and Kelly, with a lot of leaders, and both Kelly and Rob are looked at as a, as a wonderful, beautiful centering voice. Mm-hmm. The thing I love about Kelly and Rob, uh, among many things, is their deep love for the church and their deep commitment to the church in spite of the season that we're in in the church where uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of transition going on. And their love and passion for the church is such a gift. And their, their commitment to leading through that um, and then this week, it was really cool to have them uh, here, to have Kelly here uh, all week. Rob came a little bit later in the week trying to get some more rest. But um, we actually launched our spiritual direction school Woo-hoo-hoo. this week, yeah. So yeah, let's Woo-hoo. hear it for yeah. that, which is really cool. So um, that started with an Enneagram week-long training uh, that we do every six months, at least around here. And there were folks from all over all over the country. We had people represented, leaders from all over the country. We also had uh, someone from Italy. We had someone from Colombia, Canada. We had some folks from Canada. So God's doing some wonderful things uh, in leaders around the world, mm-hmm. and we're grateful to be mm-hmm. able to be a part of that. But we're so excited to hear Kelly talk to us this morning about the church. Um, as Claire said, uh, Rob and Kelly are leader, leaders among leaders and such gifted voices. And we absolutely love these two.
1: And, and if you're ever irritated by us, just call them. They'll, they'll get us in line. That's right. So that's right. anyway, welcome Kelly yes, welcome Caston. Yes, welcome Kelly. Kelly thank you.
3: Thank you so much. Well, Crossroads, I am so glad to be with you. I feel like I have known you for a very long time. Uh, and from a distance, I have loved you for a very long time because Scott and Claire really, really love you. And I love them, and I love what they love. So I'm, I'm so glad to be here with you. I feel like I'm among my people. I actually am. So I have to ask this question. Is that a countdown clock? Because if it is, they just took a lot of my time. So I'm just saying. I mean, yeah, I'm going to try to behave. Um, yeah. Yeah. So my husband and I uh, had the privilege of being on staff at a church in Maryland called Mountain Christian Church. We were there for uh, just over 16 years. And the church was started in 1824, so just a few years before we got there. Um, But the church had a rich heritage and some really painful, dark seasons. But the leaders believed that nothing that God had done in the past could compare in any way to what God was going to do in the future. And so we lived and we did ministry out of that belief, believing it was true that God was going to do something big in the world, that God was doing something big in the world, and that we were going to be part of it. We wanted to be part of it. So I'm just curious. I mean, there are a lot of things you could say about the church in America today. I'm wondering what you believe about the future of the local church in our world. Um, or in our country, or in Michigan, or or even for Crossroads itself? What do you believe? Uh, the church has quite a reputation these days. Um, and a question I want to ask you, if Crossroads were to disappear from the community, who would notice? What would be missing in this community in Marshall, Michigan, in the surrounding area? What would be missing? And I'm not talking about You guys, what would you miss? I'm not talking about you insiders. I'm talking about the watching world. What would they notice? What would be missing if your church disappeared? About 20 years ago, a book was published by a pastor named Erwin McManus, and it was called An Unstoppable Force. Uh, And it was about the potential in every church to be a force of love and good in the world. So this morning, I'm going to explore with you just some of the moments in the book of Acts, which is the development of the early church that might inspire us about the unstoppable potential of the church today. One writer describes Acts as a supernatural action adventure where we experience God's power, public beatings, Christian martyrs, powerful messages, imprisonment, healings, a shipwreck. It's all there. Uh, It's a great book. It's a great story. Uh, But we're going to start in Acts 1. This is Luke writing, the same one who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he starts in the book of Acts talking about Jesus. Acts 1 verse 3 says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So as Acts begins, Jesus shares his final words with his disciples. For three years... He's been their teacher, teaching them the good news about the kingdom of God. And then comes graduation. And graduation isn't just the end of something. Graduation is a new beginning. It's the start of something new, which is why we call it commencement. Jesus meets with his disciples, and one last time, he wants them to commence something. Just as he did at the start of his ministry, Jesus tells them again about the kingdom of God. He says in verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was uh, taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now imagine this. One crucified carpenter, 11 really ordinary guys, some of them really smelly. And Jesus says, I want you to be my witnesses to the entire world. And then he leaves. You see how crazy this is? It's crazy the way God started the church. Jesus' commencement address gives us the outline of the book of Acts that traces the explosive kingdom growth of the early church. From Jerusalem in chapters 2 through 7 to Judea and Samaria in chapters 8 through 11. And then to the ends of the earth, chapter 11 to the end. And that all happened in about 30 years. Later in chapter 1, amen, we read that there were about 120 followers. But then by AD 310, just before Constantine, there were over 5 million Christians. How in the world did that happen? How did they grow from being a small movement to the most significant force in the world in just three centuries. Jesus said, you will receive power, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. True to Jesus' promise, the Spirit arrived a few weeks later on Pentecost. The church grew rapidly because the church was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changed everyone and everything. Just a few weeks earlier, Peter cowered in fear at being accused as a follower of Jesus. And now, through the Spirit's power, this same Peter was preaching and pointing his finger in the face of Jewish officials who had beaten him and imprisoned him. Or Paul, who was a central figure in Acts and the writer actually of most of the New Testament clearly follows the leading of the Spirit's power, guiding him, sending him out, and bringing him back. The Spirit is given so that ordinary, broken people like you and me can share the life and the work of Jesus. The disciples were filled with power and began to carry out Jesus' mission, proclaiming good news, baptizing new believers and their families, and gathering people into community. Hundreds and then thousands and then millions became believers. Generations of Christians empowered by the same Holy Spirit invaded every arena of life, bringing love and grace and truth to bear on their surroundings. So we're going to look at just a few progress reports from the book of Acts, take a look at what the early church looked like, and and maybe consider the implications for us today. So in Acts 2, after the Holy Spirit has given power to the church, we read the first progress report. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Can you imagine? Um, So the church begins to grow. Imagine being a part of a church where our lives are so overflowing with God's love that people are joining us every day. And then the next progress report we find is in Acts 6. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So you hear that. The disciples were witnesses in Jerusalem just as they said they would be, and there's growth happening. But do you notice who's coming to faith? Priests. Luke mentions this. It's an important story because those are the last people anyone thought would respond to the gospel of Jesus. They were religious leaders in another religious system. But the gospel was so powerful, so loving. It's a good reminder that no one is outside of the reach of God. No one. Not Republicans. Not Democrats. Not vaxxers or anti-vaxxers. Not the oppressed or the oppressors, that's a hard one for me, not even Spartans or Buckeyes fans or whatever group you consider to be the other. No one is too far from God's reach. The next progress report is in Acts 8. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And then in verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Now, notice two things here. Jesus said they would go to Jerusalem and then to Judea and Samaria. The church begins, and they stay in Jerusalem. It's a nice, comfortable uh, community. They're, They're in community together, sharing life, working on being transformed together. But then persecution comes. And all too often today... We allow challenges to the church to make us instead circle the wagons and hunker down and hold, pull in tight, close ourselves off from the world. But God used persecution, intended to stop the gospel, to spread the gospel to Judea and Samaria, just as Jesus predicted. And notice who stayed in Jerusalem and who went out. It was the apostles. The leaders leaders stayed. The leaders aren't the ones who went. It's the ordinary people who were scattered. And as they go, they spread the word as witnesses of Jesus. It was to all believers that Jesus said, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. All the believers met together constantly and shared all they had. All of the believers were of one heart and mind. This is a movement of the all, not the elite, not the educated, not the pastors, And the same is true today. Jesus is calling all of us to fulfill his mission. All of us, you and me. Next progress report. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. The persecution relents for a while. They got to take a breath. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Now, notice the word numbers. Luke often tells us numbers. Luke was a doctor, so numbers are important to him. Acts 1-2 talks about the 11 apostles. In Acts 1-15, it says there were about 120. In Acts two forty one, it says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Acts 4-4, but many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000, plus all the women and children. Why they're not mentioned, that's a different sermon. But they know these numbers because somebody counted. I just, I just want you to just pay attention to that. They, they know the numbers because somebody counted. But it's not really about the numbers. It's never about the numbers. It's about people. Um, and I can't say this strongly enough. It's about, for God, it's about all people. God's intention was for us to love others and to put others' interests above our own. Every human being on this planet even those you don't agree with on social media, even the people who cut you off in traffic, uh, even the people you disagree with politically and ideologically and maybe even theologically, every one of them is someone for whom Jesus died, someone who bears the image of the Creator God. Every one of them matters to God, and they should matter to us. So one of the mysteries about this movement was that it was unifying And expanding at the same time. The church grew together and around a common mission. uh, There was this local expression. Their hearts were wrapped around one another and around the mission of God. Ephesians 3.10 says, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms through the church. The church has has been always, it was always God's plan for the spread of God's love and healing and forgiveness. The church is the plan. So by Acts 13, we find that the mission of God has spread the church to much of the known world. But the center of the church has moved from Jerusalem to Antioch. The church in Antioch then sent missionaries. You may have heard of the church in Antioch. Sent missionaries throughout the world, starting churches... Everywhere, starting these communities of believers who can impact the world around them. But in Jerusalem, the church that had exploded to over 5,000 people turned increasingly inward and lost much of its vision, nearly disappearing altogether. Nothing is more dangerous to a revolution than success, and then losing the revolutionary passion So the church in Jerusalem, from the exuberance of Pentecost, exploding to 5,000 people to a satisfied, inward-focused institution. One church leader in America observed this about their church. Paradoxically, we were busier than ever, but with less and less missional impact. We moved from the missional idea of the church for the community and the community for the world to the more consumptive, what does the church have to offer me? And it just about destroyed us. C.S. Lewis said it this way, there exists in every church that sooner or later works against the very purpose for which it came into existence. So we must strive very hard by the grace of God to keep the church focused on the mission that Christ originally gave it. Crossroads Church, remain focused on the mission that Christ gave you because when the church is the church the people of god moved by the spirit of god do the work of god and evil cannot stand against them i want to say that again because when the church is the church the people of god moved by the spirit of god do the work of god and evil cannot stand against them i believe it's true Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Think about gates for a second. Um, Gates are not a threat, right? They're defensive. Uh, It's time that we stop sitting back, intimidated by gates. The church is intended to be forward-moving, missional, on the offense. In the last chapter of Acts, Paul is under arrest, awaiting his trial with Caesar, facing certain death. In Acts twenty-eight, thirty-one it says, He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. In the original, in the original Greek language, akolutos is the very last word in the book of Acts. It means unhindered. Unstoppable. So a very fitting end to a book about God's missional church. Uh, in Acts and throughout history, the gospel in the church spread unhindered. There were challenges for sure, but the persecution and challenges furthered this world-changing movement. And then Acts 28, it closes a chapter, but it does not end the story of the church. This continuing story of the church has been going on for centuries. In cathedrals in Europe and in underground house churches in China, and in impoverished communities of faith in villages and slums in Africa. And now today it's our turn. Even as we live in the midst of a pandemic that we cannot figure out, we certainly can't agree on how to manage it. In the midst of a world where all people are not free, in a world of political turmoil and inhumane practices where Christians are speaking up for their own rights instead of for those who need us to fight for them, God's church can and will flourish in one way or another. Jesus started a revolution that he expected to reach the ends of the earth. And even now, there are countless followers of Jesus who just are refusing to play it safe. There are signs of revolution everywhere, a gentle whisper amidst the chaos spreading like wildfire. Pockets of ordinary Christians committed to doing small things with great love. They are changing the world. It was the church in South Africa which prayed and suffered and struggled so that apartheid ended and new freedom came to that land. It was the church that stayed alive in communist Eastern Europe, and at the end, the church with processions of candles and crosses made it clear that enough was enough. The Christian community in South America and Africa alone accounts for more than a billion people. Christianity in Asia is growing at twice the rate of the population, In China, when Mao came into power, the church numbered about 2 million people. And in an an attempt to obliterate Christianity, and all religion, actually, from China, Mao banished foreign missionaries, assumed all church property, killed or imprisoned church leaders, banned public gatherings of Christians. It was one of the the most cruel persecutions of Christians in history. And in the early 80s... um, The outside church was allowed finally to enter the country again under strict supervision. They expected to find the church decimated and the disciples a weak and battered and hopeless people. But instead, they discovered that the church had flourished. It flourished with an estimated 60 million Christians. By 2030, some estimate that China will have more Christians than any country in the world. Under persecution. Friends, the church, despite its failings, is making a difference in hospitals, in schools, in prisons, and slums, and in anti-human trafficking and violent crimes, and in so many other places, bringing the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. You know, the kingdom in heaven is where everything goes God's way. God always gets his way in heaven. Oh, that it would be true. Through us on earth, that the kingdom on earth would look like the kingdom in heaven. Jesus is inviting us to join in this grand adventure of the mission of God. Paul writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, it's not against each other. Do you hear that? Our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual evil, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We're spending so much time fighting each other that we often miss the point. Invisible kingdoms are at war for the hearts and lives of every person on earth. Followers of Jesus understand that through the unseen battle, people's lives are forever changed. Jesus calls us to be warriors of light. To walk into the darkness and to realize that just past the darkness, just across the edge, there is mystery, uncertainty, and even evil but we still advance because the light we bring is the only hope the world will ever know. But please, can we not be against each other and against others? We're called to, to an unconventional war using weapons of grace and hope and love and justice. Don't fight darkness with darkness. Don't stoop to the level of those who are fighting for the wrong things with the wrong weapons. So what is God asking of you in this mission? What part of your circle of influence needs light? So I'm going to take just a couple more minutes and, and tell a, use an illustration. Although the force, because the force of one person fully committed to God is a tremendous, powerful thing in the world, but it's nothing like the impact of God's people banding together. When Christians and churches line up side by side, something amazing happens instead of competing with each other. Dark kingdoms tremble. Mm. The prisons that hold men, women, and children captive, they crumble. Prison doors open, chains unlock, and multitudes come to freedom. When real followers of Christ hold sway, real followers of Christ, the oppressed and forgotten are soon found dancing in the streets. So we fight violence with peace and hatred with love and oppression with servanthood. But God is most perfectly revealed in us in the context of community when we move together. Animals kind of get this. Um, You know that? A lot of animals move in groups. um, And most of them have names. So, for example, together bees are called swarms. Ants are called colonies. Cattle are called herds, fish are called schools, lions are a pride, whales are pods, crows are murder, <laughs> tigers are an ambush, groups of buzzards, do you know what they're called? Committees. That explains a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> owls, are par- owls are parliaments, but one of, my fa- one of the best designations is for a group of rhinos, Right. Yes. Rhinos can run 30 miles an hour, which is really fast if you think about it. Yes. And when you consider that they weigh a ton, literally, Um, here's the problem, though. They can only see 30 feet in front of them. And there's also this, you know, big horn. So can you imagine something that big moving at that pace and they can only see 30 feet in front of them with no idea what's at 31 feet? So you would think that the inability to see 31 feet ahead would stop them. Um, But it doesn't. With that horn pointing the way, rhinos run full steam ahead. uh, Which leads us to their name. Rhinos together are known as a crash. This is what the church is supposed to be. What if we crashed into the world with a way of living that was filled with so much love? A way that treated every human being with dignity because they are image bearers of the one and only God. What if we fought against the dark forces of this world instead of fighting each other? If we lived with the love of Jesus pouring out of us lives that were so winsome that people couldn't help but see and know the goodness of God, the good news. We are an unstoppable force following an unstoppable God. And he promises that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. (laughs)
1: <laughs> a crash a crash. crash like that that feels like an invitation doesn't it <laughs> to be a part of a crash um, you know I, I feel like uh, Kelly um, we've crashed into a couple of things together and, and still attempting to crash through some things right And um, I want you to consider what it is that crossroads um, means to crashing. Um, We have this question posed to us. What would not the inner sanctum say if we were missing or no longer existed? But what would um, our world say? And, you know, that is a great challenge for me. Like, what would be missing if Crossroads was not here uh, in our world? And, um, and so I want to, even as we stand for the prayers of the people, um, there might be a, a prayer that very specifically stands out for you today. Will you stay there and then ask God how might, God might be inviting you to crash into that? Um, and who God might want you to be in a crash with to bring the forces of darkness to their knees. And, um, and as we pray, um, we, will, we will expect that the words that we're praying will be, um, will be uh, impregnated with the life of God, for the purposes of God in our lives and with each other, so let 's stand together scott 's going to be the leader i 'm going to be the everyone with you and um, you know prayer prayer isn 't only powerful. you can stand in the middle kelly prayer isn't it isn 't powerful just because we 're loud because sometimes Holding something silently in your heart is what God's inviting you to do. Um, but some of us are loud. You know, some of us are more crash than committee. And I, I resonate a little more with the crash than with the committee. Committees and, get
2: loud, too, but it's yeah,
1: different. <laughs> different. But I would like, um, first of all, to just say to God, may, uh, may we, as your incarnate, Church, your incarnate body on the earth. May we even pray in ways that our bodies are telling the truth to, with either our head raised and looking to heaven from where our help comes from or bowing our heads as we're in a position of humility that God is inviting us to do one thing or another with hands open, saying, God, I've been clenching my hands together and turning inward and maybe opening your hands or maybe lifting your hands and saying, I want to be a part of a new beginning of what you're doing in the Capital C Church around the world. And so together, hear our prayer, God. God.
2: Faithful God, empower us to bring Christ to the world.
1: We pray for all who are coming to faith, all who wonder about faith, and all who are struggling with faith, especially. And just fill in the gap there. We're going to go into silence. You know people who are coming to faith, wondering about faith, and struggling with their faith. And would you say their name to God here? And together, let us, your church, be an unstoppable force of faith.
2: Light of all creation, guide us to lead, teach, and reveal to us what is needed in our world.
1: Together, we pray for those in need of food, even tomorrow night, shelter, clothing, And of God's healing healing touch, especially those. And everyone, I want to lift up Rob. I would love for you to agree with me for Rob, for his complete healing. And all those you want to name to God right now. Jane. Together, Let us, your church, be an unstoppable force of compassion and generosity.
2: Comforter of the suffering, warm our hands to loving service.
1: We pray for the world, especially where there is trouble and suffering far away or nearby. And just begin to fill in that blank. Name those names to God, places of suffering in the world and nearby for Albion and unity for them. all at the college and in the community. And I just want to even name our closest neighbors um, in Albion at the college and in the community. Oh God for all the suffering and the difficulty we pray that you would do beautiful things that love and grace and forgiveness and and the power of the mission of this wonderful school would come to life in ways we've never known before. Heal all those who've been injured. Make all of us strong to love and build. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us, your church, be an unstoppable force of service.
2: God of justice, fuel our passion to challenge injustice and violence and to pursue peace and reconciliation.
1: And let's stay right here for a minute, if we could, right on that slide. And just think of the places that need peace and reconciliation, places where we need justice to come. Just name those places out loud. And together, let us, your church, be an unstoppable force for justice and peace.
2: Loving God, Your love illumines our hopes before we know them and our needs before we ask.
1: And all that you need right now, your own personal prayers, just lift them up to God. God knows even before you ask. Let us your church, be an unstoppable force of love.
2: And Lord, fill us afresh with awareness of you, Holy Spirit. Kindle your flame within us, that in our prayers and service, we may know your transforming presence at work in the world around us. All this we ask through Jesus Christ the Unstoppable One.
1: And together we'll pray that, all together. Fill Fill us us afresh with with the awareness awareness of your Holy Spirit. Spirit. Kindle Kindle your flame within us, us, that that in our our prayers prayers and and service we we may know your transforming presence presence at work work in the world world around us. And all this we ask through Jesus Jesus Christ, the Unstoppable One. Amen. Amen. We're going to invite you to take your uh, elements of communion together. And we're going to ask for this to be new bread and new wine. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it. Gave thanks. And said, take this, all of you, and eat. This is my body given for you. And every time you eat, remember me. And Jesus, today we're going to say it together. Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. After supper was ended, Jesus took the cup and lifted it and said, Take this, all of you, and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant, which will be written in my blood, shed for you and for all people. For all people. And so just name the all people that you need to name right now. Even them. So that sins will be forgiven. And every time you drink, remember me together we say, Jesus, Jesus. we remember you.
2: fire of freshness, we thank you, Lord. Make us an unstoppable force, we pray. We pray for that, God. Thank you for the word that Kelly gave us on this day, God. So now I bless you. I bless you with a fresh, new spirit. I bless you with God's goodness. I bless you with that spirit to crash. That each and every one of you would crash into the things God has for you to crash into. May we all leave this place with a fresh fire, with a fresh just sense of God's spirit in our lives. Be blessed this week, friends. Have a phenomenal uh, week crashing into the things God puts in in, in front of you. Amen.